Good morning. If you hang around long enough, every now and then we have an on-time delivery. <laughs> it is good to see all of you. We've got a couple announcements that we want to mention. that um, might have already been mentioned, but if so, please bear with me. Um, if I can get my presentation up. Let's see. Yep, that's okay. Um, a, a couple things that, that aren't going to be uh, on the slides that we'll see in just a second. Um, if you haven't already considered it, today is the last day to uh, sign up for the Spanish marriage retreat. Everything is going to be done in Spanish, but uh, I know there are a number of our families here that do speak Spanish, and so um, the, the retreat is the, the weekend of the, the 16th, 17th, and so um, Jubeli and Jeffrey Lopez and Christian and Ariana Gra uh, uh, Gonzalez will be in the foyer afterwards, and you can see them and uh, get more details about that. So please consider that. Uh, that will be in November. Uh, also today, at the conclusion of our assembly uh, in the foyer, you'll be able to pick up the pictorial directories. And uh, the ladies have been working especially hard in getting the pictures and getting the information. And um, uh, and so you'll be able to, uh, uh, to to pick those up afterwards. You'll have to show ID uh, and, uh, and and leave a driver's license. But, uh, but other than that, it should be relatively painless. Um, <laughs> We're continuing our efforts for the Bahamas. We're going to continue to help as much as we're able. Um, their needs are going to continue uh, to exceed what we're able to do, but we're going to continue to provide whatever aid. So as uh, you see in the bulletin, the list of, uh, uh, of items, please consider. You can also continue to make donations either online uh, or um, uh, uh, in, in the regular offering. Uh, this afternoon after the assembly, there will be a... A picnic for the K through uh, second, kindergarten through second grade. Uh, it'll be in the pavilion, so uh, if you didn't bring any food, you can run by one of the fast food places, pick something up, and enjoy uh, a time of fellowship with the kids and the families there. And then at the end of this month, in two weeks, we'll have our fall festival. That will be a wonderful time of celebration, enjoying uh, our, our wonderful fall weather and uh, a chance to, uh, to hang out with the kids and, uh, and get a whole lot of candy um, and uh, uh, give away a whole lot of candy as well. So uh, we're looking forward to that. So please make plans to attend 5 to 7 on Sunday the 27th. Also this afternoon, um, there will be a funeral um, memorial service celebration for uh, Giovanni Rodriguez. Uh, Nina attended the Spanish years and years ago, and more recently, in recent years, uh, has attended the English Assembly. And so uh, if you'd like to stay, that will be at 2 p.m. here in, in the auditorium. Christ is risen. We're kind of out of sync, right? That's not, this is October, Jim. We don't do that now. That's like at Easter time. Is Christ risen in October? He is risen indeed. Yes, he's risen in but, but you know, it, it just doesn't feel like Easter. <laughs> Uh, 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 nobody has on their special Easter outfits. Uh, we didn't do the egg hunt for the kids. There's no Easter baskets. There's no Easter uh, uh, chocolate. Um, you, you, you don't know this. Most of you don't. But in Argentina, they, they could never figure out why you have chocolate Easter eggs and then chocolate Easter bunnies. Because you see, those two things don't go together. So what they have is chocolate chickens. Yep. And you think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, something's got to put an egg 
And, and, and the only thing that would lay a chocolate egg would be a chocolate chicken. But in October, we don't have any of that stuff. And, and while we can't appreciate it here in the land of eternal spring and summer, many places up north and out west are being hammered by cold weather. Uh, where our daughter lives in, in Washington, it was 29 degrees earlier la or last week. And, and, and so, you know, Easter for us represents coming to life. The flowers are blooming. Things are returning to life after the cold, dark, harsh winter. It's all about resurrection and renewal. And, and, and people come to the Easter assembly expecting some sort of word to help us kind of put death off just a little bit further. To make us feel that somehow God can make everything right. That he would fix our lives. That he would fix this broken world. Because of all the places in our lives and in the Bible, Easter is where we see God's power triumph over evil. Victory in Jesus, we will sing. Jesus triumphs over death, and along with it, he triumphs over sin and darkness. And that's what we're looking for. We want a life that's filled with sunshine and good things and positive moments and we expect that the resurrection is that time when we will live this new life in Jesus. And from Jesus' resurrection on, and from our uh, uh, rising up from our baptism, from that moment then we will experience just this steady incline of good thing after good thing after good thing. That's what we expect from Easter. So with that in mind... Let us turn to our final chapter and our final lesson in this series of Mark. Mark has become, at least for me, an old friend, and I'm going to be sorry to, uh, to move on. Uh, but we're going to look at our last lesson in this series of walking with Jesus uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And so I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. This is the New Living Translation. It might read a little bit different than what your Bible or your uh, phone says. But you can follow along if you'd like. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Remember that these were the three women that had witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. They also saw the tomb where he was laid. And so since he was immediately placed in the tomb at the time of the Sabbath, the beginning of the Sabbath evening, or the beginning of the Sabbath, uh, they couldn't purchase the spices, couldn't anoint his body, and so they purchased them on Saturday night as soon as the Sabbath laws were lifted and you could purchase things. The purpose of these spices was not to um, mummify or embalm the body. It was simply just to mask the odor of decomposition that there would be in the tomb. So they were going to anoint the body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? That's a good question to ask, and it's one that they might have thought about before they went on their way. But they were in a hurry. They were focused. They wanted to get there. They wanted to somehow bless the body of Jesus before too much time had passed. So they hadn't thought about who was going to roll this stone away from the mouth or the entrance of the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone 
which is very large, had already been rolled aside. So they entered the tomb, and they saw a young man, clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. They were expecting to see a dead, lifeless corpse. They didn't see the corpse, and they did see this young man in a white robe, which makes us think, angel? And when we read the Gospels, it's, it's a challenge not to bring in all of the information we know from the other Gospels. Mark is doing something very, very specific here. And so we're going to just let Mark tell his story without filling in all the gaps, which at times we would like to do. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they had laid his body. Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And that's where the Gospel of Mark ends. In the oldest, most reliable Greek manuscripts, that's where it ends. Now, many Bibles will continue with a, a verses 9 through 20. And what you might not know is there's also other endings that have been found other manuscripts with different words after verse 8. So scholarship has pretty much agreed that verse 8 is the last verse that Mark himself wrote. And the gospel ends with the words, and they were afraid. You know, there's a lot of other things Mark could have included. He's writing some 30 years after the resurrection. He could have told about miraculous appearances. He could have told about the heavens opening. He could have told about many, many other things of, of miracles and the like. And, and where we would expect after this notification, after this announcement, this good news that Jesus has raised, we would expect a message of courage and hope. And what we read is trembling, bewilderment, fear, women fleeing in silence. You know, this has been a really rough number of days for these disciples. So much has happened in such a short period of time. These women witnessed the horrific crucifixion of Jesus. They were with him during this process. And their reaction to what they see at the tomb is fear. And, and, and part of us says, well, Mark, that's no way to end the gospel. <laughs> this, is, this is the gospel. 
Mark begins his book saying this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and we expect him to just go full bore from there all the way up. Because now we have the best news ever. And rather than a heavenly choir praising God, we get three women running scared. See, early Christians didn't like the way the gospel ended. And so within the end of the first and second century, they were already filling in and putting other endings it's a little bit complicated, but if you look at a more modern translation, one that's been done more recently, this end, the, the verses 9 and following are going to be put in brackets, or there'll be a line in the text, or it'll be down in a footnote, which indicates that it was probably not a part of the original text. And, and, and if you'd like some more information, I'd be glad to, to talk with you about that. But I want to focus on what Mark wrote. You know, the whole gospel is really a story of a struggle. In Mark, we see Jesus struggling with Satan in the desert, struggling to be who he is and stay true to his calling. He struggles with demons who know who he is, and yet Jesus doesn't want them, doesn't want them to be his primary witnesses, and so he tells them to be quiet and he casts them out of people that are that are being overtaken and being damaged by them. He, he struggles with sickness and, in, and death uh, 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 over and over. He, he struggles with the religious leaders who want to guide God's people in a way that doesn't honor God himself. And so he opposes them because they were oppressing God's people. And then in, in the garden we saw that Jesus struggles even with God himself. The gospel story is one of struggle, good, struggling to overcome evil. And I think Mark writes in this style for his particular audience, who most likely was in Rome 30 years after Jesus' death. There were still pagan leaders in, on, on the throne in Rome who were seeking to do Christians harm. And Christians were continuing to experience persecution, crucifixion, suffering. They were in a struggle for their life. And while on the one hand we might say Jesus' resurrection makes everything go away, it doesn't. The struggle is real. Their lives were a constant struggle and and so is ours. So is ours. You know, the enemies of God have changed tactics. But they're still alive and well. Our, I don't think our world is any less full of darkness than theirs was. In fact, it might even be more because back in those days, you have a heart attack at age 40 and, and you died. But today they bring you back to life. And you can live to have a couple more by the time you're 80. And I don't mean to make light of that, but the longer we live, the more pain we will endure. To a point where some people at a specific moment in their life will sign a document that we know as a DNR. Do not 
resurrect. (laughs) Do not bring me back from the dead. Do not resuscitate. Because you see, Easter, for all of the power and the glory it is, doesn't get rid of the darkness and the suffering and the death that we live in in our world. The struggle is real. One of the first times I heard this following phrase, it was in Cuba. No es fácil. No es fácil. It's not easy. Life is not easy. Work is not easy. Even if you work in a church office surrounded by Christian people, work is not always easy. There's conflict. There's challenge. There's difficulties. There's not enough food. Not enough snacks. Life's not easy. Marriage isn't easy. Even if you marry a Christian and your expectation is that we're going to be the happiest two people in the world, it just doesn't work out that way. Marriage is tough. Now, the alternative, remaining single is not that easy either. There's Singleness has its own challenges. Raising children. It's not easy being a parent. It's not easy being a kid. It's not easy having parents, especially the older you get. Now, the only thing that is easy is being a grandparent. That's what I figured out. Being a grandparent is pretty easy. (laughs) You you, you just drop in and have all the... You know, I can't remember the last time I've changed a diaper. Now, my my wife is not going to be real happy with me. But, but, you know, it's like, no, 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 I don't have to do that. That's not my call. Uh, uh, You know, we got parents. We got a nana. And so... um, Uh, It's been some time since I've changed the diaper. (laughs) That's easy. Do do you remember the the, the ads? I didn't want to put it up there because I'm not trying to promote a particular company. But do you remember the ads from the Staples uh, uh, office supply stores? The easy button? (laughs) You just push the button and then all your problems get resolved? See, see, I think sometimes in Christianity, especially modern Christianity today, we think that the resurrection is our easy button. Whenever you have a problem, you hit it and boom, all your problems go away. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that in my life. It doesn't work like that in your life. And so while Mark doesn't give us... (laughs) that easy button kind of Christianity, there are three things that he mentions in the text that I think will help us as we think about what it looks like to live every day in the resurrection. The the first is the declaration that it's just a flat-out declaration. He is not here. He has risen. Exclamation point. Christ has risen. All the evidence points to a resurrected Lord. Now, we, we don't have the time to go into all of those today, but if you're seriously wanting to delve into this, I'd be glad to sit down and think through this. But as you look at all the alternatives, what happened to Jesus' body? Where did it go? The only Logical response, even though faith is not based pure on pure logic, but the only logical response is, logical response is that Jesus was resurrected. Once you look at 
the empty tomb and you look at the transformation in the disciples' lives, you realize that this came from a real event. He is not here. Christ has risen. The second thing that that we see from the angel is, he says to the women, go and tell his disciples and also Peter. Including Peter. I, I, I don't know how you feel after you mess up and you mess up big and you mess up bad and you mess up ugly. Most of us feel that we're just not worth anything. And we might as well just throw in the towel and give it up because we're just not cut out for this Christianity. And while we don't have much of an insight into what Peter was going through, we do get a sense. We see how Judas responded to his own disappointment and frustration and desperation. We can imagine that Peter was feeling the very same thing. He had returned and gone back to fishing, returned to his previous life. And God wants to make sure, not only that Peter knows, but all the disciples know, Peter is still in. You can mess up, and that doesn't get you booted off the island. Jesus will later restore and accepts Peter. And even after this transformation, Peter doesn't become this super powerful, super disciple, super Christian who never messes up. He's still Peter. (laughs) But he becomes one of the most powerful witnesses for Jesus. So the first word from the angel, Christ is risen. The second word, tell his disciples and make sure you include Peter. He's not going to get left out. The third word, Jesus is going ahead of you. Jesus is going ahead of you. No matter where your path in life leads you, Jesus is going ahead of you. No, no matter how hard the journey, Jesus goes before you. No matter what the struggle, Jesus goes before you. No matter who abandons you in that struggle, Jesus goes before you. No matter what you have to face, you are not alone. If all people leave you, Jesus goes before you and goes with you. No matter what your pain, physical, emotional, or spiritual, even the pain of death, Jesus goes before us. You know, I can't, I was trying to imagine what kind of pain, category, or general type of pain might I go through that Jesus might not have experienced. I've been through physical pain, and Jesus endured excruciating physical pain. I've gone through emotional pain, And relational pain. And Jesus went through the experience of being rejected by his very own family. The people that were closest to him turned their back on him. Betrayed by his closest friends. I've gone through spiritual moments when I felt God just wasn't there. And as we talked last week, 
or the week before, Jesus also felt that distance. No matter what my pain, Jesus goes before me. And not only in the darkness and in the pain, but Jesus also goes before me in the resurrection. And what scriptures tell us is that we all have a resurrection coming. There will be a day when we will follow in Jesus' steps. Just as he followed and led the way for us, then we will follow after him. And if you're in Jesus, if you have made the decision to be in a relationship with Jesus here, he will invite you to join him and be in a relationship with him there. Jesus has gone before us, even in the resurrection. So while this ending of Mark and the gospel of Mark might not be the preferred gospel for an Easter story, I don't know that I've ever heard an Easter message or preached one from Mark. I think Mark knows where we live because he was writing to people who were still struggling every day to see the light of Jesus shine in their lives. So Mark tells us we also can feel and know that every day is Easter. Every day is Resurrection Day. Now that doesn't mean that we won't have clouds, we won't have darkness, we won't have storms. But every day, Jesus brings light. And whatever you're going through, please know this. Jesus goes before you. And he's been there. And he's waiting for you on the other side. If you've never made that decision to begin that walk with him and that life with him, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you have something in your life that you'd like to pray about or like us to pray for, we would be honored to do so. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing and make your way to the front, and um, uh, one of the elders will be here to pray. God bless you.